Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. Good to see each of you here this morning. If you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Acts, we're going to continue our study unpacking the book of Acts, Acts chapter 9. Looking forward to digging with you. Hope you had a good week and hope that... Uh, Hope that you're excited to dig in the Word this morning. I actually had this uh, message ready um, last week, and then I shifted gears a little bit and uh, just shared a little bit about how I believe we can live during these times and navigate during um, these events, and uh, hope that you caught that message. If you didn't, you can go to our website and you can listen to that. Uh, or our YouTube channel there. So uh, excited to dig in the Word, excited to uh, uncover, unpack what we have here. Um, I think it's, uh, uh, to me, this is a very convicting um, uh, area, um, chapter, um, these set of verses, uh, especially in light of what we're going through right now. And so uh, I've titled this morning, When God Changes a Heart. And so uh, I pray that God would work in our hearts as we dig into the word this morning. Let's read. Uh, If you would follow along with me there in your Bible, uh, it'll also be up on the screen. But we're going to read Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. And then uh, we'll have a word of prayer. And uh, and then we're just going to try to unpack a few details and see how it can apply to our lives. How does God's word um, impact the way that we live and the way that we view others and the way that we live out our lives. So if you would follow along with me, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19, uh, it says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus. So if he found any belongings to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And he said, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, 
The Lord Jesus, whom appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have the wonderful opportunity to gather in person and online and to dig into it. And I pray that your spirit would work in us, change us and mold us, make us into the people that you would have us to be. Lord, we can't do that in and of ourselves. We think we can at times. Lord, that's where our pride and our arrogance gets in the way. We are so nearsighted, Lord. We're, we're, we're unable to see um, what really is of our lives and the shortcomings. And so, Lord, we need your spirit to reveal that to us. And so we pray that you would do that. May our hearts be challenged. May we be convicted. May we also find great encouragement, knowing, as we've just saying, how much you love us and how much you are there for us. You're desiring for us to trust you, to rely upon you, to walk with you each day. So may this time be profitable for your glory, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Dr. Luke starts this section with the word but. All right, but Saul, and that comes on the heels of Philip and what Philip has just done. Remember, Philip was, uh, was led by God to go and to be able to unveil um, to um, the Ethiopian eunuch the scriptures from Isaiah. And as he did, as he kind of taught through um, the good news of Jesus Christ, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch's eyes were open and, and he was saved and he was baptized. And then at that moment, then Philip was carried away and he continued to teach and to preach the word. And as he did that, uh, as that is going on over here, Dr. Luke helps us to see there's still something going on over here. And that's where chapter nine, where we come into play. Uh, so, but Paul, so on the heels of God working through Philip in a great way, but, but Saul, all right, Saul was still working over here. Now, just a little bit of background. Saul uh, was a man who was born um, a strong, devout Jew. And as a strong, devout Jew, we see that even in his name, as, he's, as his name, he's named after uh, the king, the first king of Israel. And being a devout Jew, we see some of that as Paul records for us later in, in Corinthians and even in his letters to uh, the different churches. Um, Paul is a devout man of God. At this point, he is devout to the Jewish customs and to the law. The issue is not that he is devout to God. The issue is that they have rejected Jesus. And so Saul, in appearing and thinking that this is what is right, it says he's still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of Jesus. So much so that as we, we saw earlier in the text, in the book of Acts, as the gospel is being shared and more and more people accept Jesus as Savior, um, there is persecution that takes place, and we see that with Stephen. Stephen is murdered, and when Stephen is murdered, people in Jerusalem now scattered abroad because that, that uh, 
persecution has become more and more real. And so as the gospel goes out, now we see those who are against the way, which we're going to talk about that in a minute, are also going out. And so here's Saul going to Damascus and going to go to the synagogue in Damascus because he knows that there are believers who are going to teach Jesus there. And so he wants to bind them and he wants to bring them to judgment. And so Saul, still breathing threats and murders against the disciples, Jesus went to the high priest and he he asked for letters of the synagogue to be able to go to the synagogue in Damascus so that if he found anyone belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. I love that, that phrase, anyone belonging to the way. And it kind of is a reference back to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3. So you might want to write that, that a little note right there next to that, the way. Because Jesus, as the prophet Isaiah was foretelling, Jesus was going to be the way to be able to bring Israel and those who believe in Jesus, the Messiah, bring them back to uh, the Lord. And so Jesus is that way. And so it's interesting, Dr. Luke uses that on the heels of really, again, context, when you look at Philip and what Philip was studying, Isaiah. And so there's a searching that that we see here. There's people who are searching for the truth, and they're reading the law, and they're reading even beyond the law of the other writers and the other prophets of the Old Testament, searching and seeking. I believe that's happening still today. I believe there are people who are searching and seeking to know what the truth is, to find out what is the way. Well, we know that Jesus came, and when he came, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so we see that these are disciples who are going the way, following the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. And so Saul wants to put a stop to that. Verse 3, it says, Now when he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Um, what we see here is there is some, some immediate uh, work of God. And uh, this isn't something that just happened um, gradually. Uh, we see Dr. Luke uses some specific words in that he was going along his way, and suddenly a light shone around him. This was an act of God to get a hold of Saul's life and to help him to see what the truth was. So his response to this light, verse four, falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you? And he asked this, Lord. And so imagine yourself walking down a road, you're charged up, you're ready to go, you're you're going into a place where you In your righteousness, you think you are doing the right thing. And then, suddenly as you're going along, all of a sudden, something drastically takes place. That's Saul. This is huge bright light. It's so bright that he falls to the ground. And he's like, who is this? Is this the Lord? Now, it's hard to tell from context if, if Saul is thinking this is the Lord of heaven and earth, or is this the Lord Jesus? And so uh, the response, verse five, it says, and he said, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. 
but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. I think there's more to this as we see later on Paul's writings. The conversation is not this brief. Luke doesn't include that because it's not, it's not pertinent. It's not critical to what is taking place and what needs to take place uh, as he tells the story. We see that ultimately Jesus appears to Paul and he tells him, listen, I am the Messiah. I am the way and you need to listen to me. And we see that as Dr. Luke chooses his words very clearly as he's writing here, I am Jesus. And so Saul listens to Jesus and, um, and he enters the city. It says in verse 7, men who were traveling with him stood speechless. And what's interesting is they heard the voices, but they couldn't see Jesus. Again, sometimes we want Jesus and we want God to work the way we want him to work. And when it doesn't turn out that way, then we may get upset. Here are these people, they're looking and seeing, they're hearing these voices, but they don't see Jesus. Again, God is sovereign. He's completely in control and he will reveal himself to whom he wants to reveal himself. And this is another clear example of that. So Saul rose, verse 8, he rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days, three days, he sits there, he's without sight. And so he doesn't drink anything and he doesn't eat anything. Um, His life has been rocked to the core. We see that the disciple, there was a disciple at Damascus. So as this is taking place over here in Damascus, uh, there is a man named Ananias. And the Lord appears to Ananias and says, listen, I want you to go and I want you to lay your hands on Saul and I want you to heal him. I'm going to use you through, through you, my power, I'm going to use you to heal this man named Saul. Ananias is very clear. He's like, wait. Verse 13, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. So Ananias is current, up to date. He understands that not only has this guy been casting insults and threats, but now he, Ananias has heard that he's gotten authority from the high priest to come to Damascus and to bind people who are claiming Jesus as the way. And so there's a lot of fear. There's concern. As we walk with Jesus, this is good. This is, this is good for us to see. As we follow Jesus, I don't believe Jesus wants, to have, wants us to have a blind faith. He wants us to call out to him, to ask him, to rely upon him. Now, Ananias didn't, didn't, didn't stutter. He didn't stop. He still obeyed. He wanted clarity. And it's okay sometimes to ask for clarity. We see that. We see that even in, in, uh, in the Old Testament where the fleece is thrown out, right? And you say, okay, Lord, I, I don't know. Is this really what you want? And so you throw the fleece out and you say, if you make all the ground wet except for this fleece, then, then I'll believe you. He wakes up, oh, wait, Um, let me just make sure, and so let's reverse it. Let's make sure that that this is really real. And so the next day, there's a reversal. 
God in his word doesn't cast judgment upon times where we're trying to clarify what he wants for us. And that should give us great hope and encouragement. God does desire that when he speaks, though, that we listen and that we obey. And so God has clearly showed uh, Ananias, this is Jesus who has come to him and has told him what to do. And so in verse 17, it says, so Ananias departed. He obeyed, even though he knew what he knew and the facts were laid out. Jesus said, this is what I want you to do. And even in the face of knowing what he knew, he still listened and obeyed the voice of Jesus. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, this is an interesting term that Dr. Luke would put here, right? Why wouldn't he just say Saul? But instead he includes brother. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus has already revealed to Ananias what took place. Jesus revealed to Ananias that God had changed Saul's heart, that he had appeared to him, and that Saul's heart was totally different. So here's my brother, brother, brother Saul. I know what has happened, and I've come, sent by the Holy Spirit to do this work so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Spirit. Verse 18, and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight so that he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. What's interesting here is that, uh, again, another biblical account that shows us that those who place their faith in Jesus There's a response, an outward showing of that inward faith shown through baptism. I don't know where you are and where you sit in your faith with Jesus. If you've trusted Jesus as your Savior and you've claimed him as the Savior and Lord of your life and you have not yet been baptized, let me encourage you to take that step of obedience. We see it episode after episode, story after story where this picture of obedience, not only claiming Jesus as Savior and Lord to forgive us of our sin, but also taking that outward step of obedience to say, this is what I believe. I believe in Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. And in that, showing the, the washing of our sin away um, through the water. It, it's an outward expression that water isn't any cleaner than any other water. Uh, it, it, it isn't some magical power uh, that makes that water uh, um, make you clean. What it is, it's the symbolism, again, of just what we partook of last week in communion, of the, the bread and the juice, the symbolic um, nature and the importance of Jesus' blood and the sacrifice that he made Um, that we could be set free from the bondage of sin and our sin would be wiped clean, that our lives would be clean because of our belief in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We see Paul rose, he was baptized, he took food, the scales lifted from his eyes and he could see again. A couple questions for us as we walk through this. Um, Do you belong to the way? 
Do you belong to the way? Some people say, oh, there's lots of ways. Well, the Bible tells me as I read it and study it, there's only one way. And the only way to have a relationship with God and have eternal life is through Jesus Christ. And so if you've not yet claimed Jesus Christ as your Savior, the way to have an eternal relationship with him, today he offers that to you. You can place your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He wants to make that radical change in your life just as he did in Saul's. It takes you to believe that. It takes the Spirit's work in your heart and in your mind and in your life right now as you sit there. Have you claimed Jesus to be the way? Are you part of this? It's not a movement. It's God's working. It's God's transformation of our lives. There will always be some who fight against the way. We need to understand that and we need to realize that. As Christians, as Christ followers of those who are part of the way, there are always and there have been and there always will be those who are against the way. They're going to fight not against us. Ultimately, they're fighting a fight that their father, Satan, desires for them to fight. And that is opposition to claiming Jesus as the Messiah, as the King of Kings and as the Lord of Lords. And so let us not be surprised that there will always be those who fight against the way. What we see, though, is a real encounter with the living Jesus produces life-changing results. I believe that Saul sees Jesus. He has a real encounter with him, just like I see you today and you see me. I see this because in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 1, Saul says, I saw Jesus. I've seen Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 8, he appeared also to me. Jesus came and appeared to Saul just as he appeared to all the other disciples and the apostles. Here's where it becomes a little bit more real for me. Is there somebody in your life that you look at or that you hear that just grates at you? Somebody that you know is so callous and cold to the gospel message. Is there somebody that you've just written off and said, I don't think they'll ever become a Christian? Let me encourage you that this text, as we read through it and as we unpack it, this text helps us to see that God can change the least likely heart in in the person in our life. Who are you counting as lost, but that God may have a different story and a different plan for them? My challenge is, would you pray for them? I think sometimes we become so arrogant and prideful that we lose our perspective. We've already made our judgments on who is worthy to accept Jesus and who is not worthy to accept Jesus. Saul is a great example to us that when God has a real encounter, that when Jesus has a real encounter with a human being, 
that that human being cannot help but to trust and follow him. Folks, we need to pray that the spirit of God will work in the people around us. And we need to love them and cherish them and care for them and to not condemn them or write them off. I'm quick to do that. I'm not throwing stones at you this morning because I have a glass house. (laughs) This passage challenges me because Saul didn't deserve to have Jesus. But who am I to judge? Who are you to judge? We sang a song a little bit earlier, and there's a phrase, reckless love. From our perspective, when we look at God's love, it appears to be reckless. Why would God distribute his love and grace and mercy to this person? We know that God is not reckless as we would know reckless is. But that God would love you and I and mankind enough that he would send his son Jesus to die upon the cross for us? That's amazing. That he would leave the 99 to go chase after one? In our worldly standards and the way that we view life, we would say, that's not good stewardship. But that shows the reckless love of our God and how much he desires for all to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. May we be careful as we walk and navigate today and the days ahead how we view people. And that doesn't mean we don't have discernment, that we don't uh, come to some conclusion at certain times. I'm not going to let my children just hang out with a convicted murderer, all right? Unless God tells me to, which he hasn't yet. So when we think about how God works, let's remember that sometimes God wants to do unusual things so that we see he is in charge. When you look at Abraham and Isaac, we look at that from an account of a Western civilization that says that is so wrong for a dad to be willing to kill his son. Some people look at the Bible and they look at this as a religion and they say, why would I ever follow that religion? crazy, isn't it? But if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know there's nothing better. God doesn't have us live blindly. He has us to live by faith. And as we navigate this world and as you navigate these days ahead, let me encourage you and challenge you. There may be a Saul in your life that God wants to use you to minister to, to pray for, to love on, to care for. You and I don't know what God has planned for each person. 
He's called us to obey him and to be faithful. To see people like he sees people. May we be people who are of the way, following the one who says he is the way, the truth, and the life. Totally and completely sold out to him. Being willing to obedient, even if it means that we stop and clarify and ask for some clarity, that we still, when Jesus asks us to do something, we are obedient. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you that when God changes the heart, it changes the world. Lord, we don't know what kind of effect we can have on others. Sometimes I believe that we um, shortchange what you've done in us and how you desire to continue to use us. And so, Lord, this morning I pray that, uh, that, first of all, we would look at our own hearts and our lives. Help us to see how you've changed us, how you've changed our heart, how Jesus has molded us and has completely changed our way of thinking and living. We are your children, Lord. And we have the great opportunity to live by faith. So I pray, Lord, if there's someone here who's listening right now, who's not yet accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they would do so. If that's you, I encourage you right now that you would call out to God and Say, God, I believe that you sent Jesus and that he came to this earth and he died on the cross for me in my place. I believe that Jesus Christ not only died, but he he was buried and that he rose again three days later and he took my sin and the punishment that I deserved and I want to follow Jesus, believing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way to an eternal relationship with you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts and help us to love people the way that you love them. Help us not to cast people off, to put them in different categories, claiming some to be worthless. Lord, if I'm truthful, there is an arrogance and a pride that creeps into my heart and my life when I view people like that. And so, Lord, I pray that you would forgive me. I pray that you would forgive us when we look and view people that way. And instead, Lord, may we look at people with compassionate eyes, a compassionate heart, a heart that prayerfully ask you to intervene in those who do not know the way, whose eyes are blinded, who can't see the truth. Lord, may you tear down the walls around their heart. May your spirit reveal to them the truth of their need of a savior, Jesus the Christ. Help them to see how much you love them and how much you've given so that we can have a real relationship with you, our creator so that they may experience the peace and the comfort of that relationship that we own. 
Lord, we can't do this on our own. And so we need your help. Help us as we take the next few minutes, as we listen, as Vince plays the Lord. May we be willing to deal with the sin in our own lives. And if there's people that you've put on our heart that we're thinking of, may we pray earnestly for them. And Lord, may you intervene in their lives and in their hearts so that we may hear of your great work in them and they're coming to know Jesus as their Savior. We pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Amen.